You got anything to gripe about? To gripe about? Besides yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, besides me. Or you could just gripe more about me. I don't care. No, 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 no. I'm sure I could think of something else. You know what I got to gripe about is... What? Uh... Oh, oh no, I've <laughs> broken her. Her brain is split in two. No, it's hard because I try not to hold on to stuff, you know? You're saying you don't hold on to grudges. I try not to. Or you just, or your hands don't close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be something to gripe about. I try about. never to hold anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I could gripe about big things. Oh, I mean, like, yeah. Any kind of gripe. Capitalism and global warming. I mean, those are things to gripe about. Yeah. D- gripe. Let's hear it. Uh, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> Hot take from Emily. <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Kyle Imperator and Emily Moyers take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. I'm Emily Moyers. And I'm Kyle Imperator. Kyle, you know what yes. else I have to gripe about? What do you have I to haven't gripe heard about? a word yet. I haven't learned a <laughs> wow. new word Just in a whole right day. Right into it. A uh, week, Emily. It's been a week since our last episode. <laughs> yeah, but I learned a new word yesterday that okay, you don't know. Sure. <laughs> okay, fair. Uh, yeah, Emily, I got a word for you. You're gonna love it. And you're going to love it so much that you're going to be using it every day for the rest of your life. I guarantee it. Wow. You're coming out swinging. I'm swinging. Are you ready for this word? I am so ready. Okay. Emily, your word is humdudgeon. (laughs) H-U-M-D-U-D-G-E-O-N. Humdudgeon. Fantastic. Uh, well, I mean, I'm already going to use it wow. every day without Beautiful. knowing what it means. <laughs> I mean, good. Let's end the episode here, huh? <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And while I'm ahead. All right. Wow. So, gotta be a noun. Yes. A hum dungeon. 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 Hum, hum dungeon. Yeah. Boy, language of origin. I'm going to figure it's like Old English. Mm, no. No. Mm. it's not a it's not a germanic well there's two answers one is we don't know and the (laughs) other is scottish english okay wow i mean so based on the hint this is in my official answer so don't tell me yet but i'm gonna my initial guess is that like this is someone who who gripes a lot based on the question we had at the top. But I would hmm. like a I would like a official hint before I make my official guess. Emily, your official clue, your hint is hypochondria. Oh, that is interesting. Puts you down a different path, huh? It I like does. To, you know, I go left, I go right, you know. I I, I go right when you go you're, left. You're sidewinding all over. Yeah, I'm a boxer. Throwing me off my rhythm. With that in mind, I'm going to instead guess that this is someone, boy, it's hard to not just guess the definition of hypochondriac. This is someone who like makes a mountain out of every molehill. 
a humdudgeon. I mean, you're really close. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that in the most important definition here, it is not a person. Oh, is it a physical thing or an incorporeal thing? The, the second one that you said. In that case, a humdudgeon is... Final guess. Final guess for all the marbles. Time is running out. Is a, a, just, a just a little problem. You know, a thing that you shouldn't worry too much about. It's just a, it's just a, an inconvenience. Very good guess, Emily. Very good Ugh, guess. You're I really further from to the get truth. That one. I know you did. I know. I know. But you're further from the truth. The Ugh. definition of humdudgeon is an imaginary illness. Oh, is a humdudgeon. What? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Because that's very abstract. Because that doesn't fit with the word humdudgeon to me at all. You wouldn't call an imaginary illness a humdudgeon? A humdudgeon? You will now. I guess so. You said I'm going to use this word every day, though. You are, Emily. How often am I bringing up imaginary illnesses? (laughs) You're trying to get out of work is what you're doing. (laughs) Emily, humdudgeon is a Scottish-English word that first appears in 1785 in, of all places, our most sacred tome, Francis Gross's (gasps) A Classical Dictionary of the Vulgar Tongue. Wow. I mean, now I'm really starting to doubt that it means that if it's coming from Francis Gross. Well, I know, right? It truly does, though. This is one of the times where he was just right about it, you know? Oh, the knowledge good. was too big for him to uh, <laughs> uh, strike wrong. Even a blind pig finds a truffle. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So he describes humdudgeon as such. He says, humdurgeon, <laughs> an imaginary illness. He has got the humdurgeon. The humdurgeon? The humdurgeon. You use the definite article? <laughs> you don't have to, but sometimes you do. He's got the humdurgeon, you know, wow. like the flu. Sure. He then goes on to say, Emily, and I'm going to need you to help me translate this because I don't know what the heck he's talking about. Okay. He then says, the thickest part of his thigh is nearest his arse, (laughs) i.e. nothing ails him except low spirits. The heck Uh, does that mean, Emily? (laughs) Oh, I mean, I mean, it seems like that is... That is the way it is on the body. Yeah. You know? So then what does that have to do with an imaginary illness? Oh, I'm so confused. (laughs) That's all right. Emily, have you ever had the humdurgeon? Have I ever had the humdurgeon? Yeah, you ever had an imaginary illness, you know? I don't think so. I don't, I'm usually so panicked about getting caught out in a lie. I rarely lie about that kind of thing. Right, but it's not necessarily a lie. It could be something you believe. Oh, well, then I don't know. I believe what I believe. <laughs> well, then there you go. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know if I believed a wrong thing. No one's ever told me. <laughs> you, might, you might have the humdudgeon now. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so it's been used in a bunch of different contexts. So it can mean an imaginary illness, but it also has a couple other uh, definitions, Emily. One of which is that a humdudgeon can also mean like just a complaint. Right. Like a gripe. Like a gripe. Sure. So, for example, in the Scottish novelist Sir Walter Scott's 1815 novel Guy Mannering, when the farmer Dandy Dinmont, (laughs) when he's asked if he wants to tie a handkerchief around a wound on his head, he remarks, 
Hote tote, man. I would never be making a humdudgeon about a scart on the pow. <laughs> Is that like a joke like he's been hit in the head and now he's talking crazy? Or? Yeah. No, no. He like actually has words. <laughs> he, he's had a like he has a, a wound on his head. A scart right. is a slight wound, and oh. a pow is the head or scalp. So wow. he's saying like I would never be like make a big deal. I would never make a complaint over just a, a tiny little scrape. Even though uh, I no, think I... he's had a much worse scrape <laughs> yes. than he's admitting. Yes. No, I got that. It's just none okay. of those words sounded like words. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, if I had my Scottish accent really raring to go for yeah, this episode, on, it would all make really more sense, it but in. <laughs> I didn't have time to prepare, you know. Uh, Sir Walter Scott, uh, the author of Guy Mannering, was uh, familiar with the humdudgeons himself, Emily. On February 26th, 1827, Scott Very wrote specific. in his journal. Yeah, it's, that's the date that he wrote it. <laughs> it was a journal, Emily. That's <laughs> fair. He wrote in his journal, at home and settled to work, but I know not why I was out of spirits. Quite laird of humdudgeon and did all I could to shake it off and could not. Wow. Yeah. Do you know what laird means? Uh, like laid up? No, it means lord. Oh. It's Scottish English for lord. So I think he's saying like, I felt like the king of humdudgeon. Like I, I, I felt down, but I had no reason to be down, you know? Sure. He was in his fields. like the Lord of Humdudgeon. Wow. Yeah. Scott continues to write on the next day in his journal. Uh And this next sentence is, I don't know if I've ever associated with a statement more than this sentence. (laughs) And I think you'll agree. He says, Humdudgeon-ish still. Hang it, what (laughs) fools we are. I worked but coldly and ill, yet something is done. I wonder if other people have these strange alternations of industry and incapacity. Wow. I mean, truly. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Huh? Humdudgeon is still indeed. Yeah. By the way, Emily, Scott, at this point in his life, was suffering from rheumatism, which oh. the novelist John Buchan attributes in his biography of Scott to, and I quote, Scott's extraordinary talent for falling into fords and pools and bogs, leaving him constantly wet as he rarely troubled to change. So funny. Not good for you. (laughs) No, definitely not good for you. (laughs) And it's like, no wonder you've got the humdudgeon, huh? (laughs) That ain't an imaginary illness. You're going to die. He's like, I wonder if everybody feels, if everybody else is constantly soaking wet. I guess that's just, uh, say la vie. Say la vie. We're all just bog monsters. <laughs> We're all just wet and freezing and our joints yeah. are stiffening up by the second. <laughs> so lastly, Emily, by extension, a humdudgeon can be a coward. Oh. Because somebody who's kind of like making excuses, I guess, complaining sure. about nothing. Or they're worried can, about nothing. Yeah. Or worried about nothing possible. Yeah. Can you name any? Famous cowards. Some famous humdudgeons. Yeah. I mean, it's Courage, the dog. Yeah. And was, Scooby, a, the dog. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fang, the dog. episode, huh? <laughs> yeah, good. Okay, good, good. Um, All dogs so, are cowards, I guess, is the moral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So one dog who was definitely not a coward, Emily, was uh, U.S. President Andrew Jackson. Oh, <laughs> you know him, right? Yes, I do. I thought you were going to come in with another dog. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, he's a dog, you know. He's a dog. <laughs> so, in the 1834 biography, The Life of Andrew Jackson, President of the United States, 
Major Jack Downing explains that Jackson was never basketed at a cockpit or squaddled in a fight or bited in a bargain or chanceried in a row or plum stingy in a duel or a humdurgeon <laughs> when danger was near or cowhanded on the turf. Plum stingy. <laughs> yeah. Plum stingy in a duel. Uh, was that biography written by Dr. Seuss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I'm just now picturing uh, Dr. Seussian Andrew Jackson. It is <laughs> not Jackson. a good, it is not a good alternate history. <laughs> Okay, Emily, it's t- let's talk a bit about the etymology of Humdudgeon. I kind of skipped that at the beginning. You did. But we're going to talk about it now. Good. That is our bread and butter. You know, it seems that Humdudgeon is actually a portmanteau. Oh, of hum and dudgeon? Uh, or humdud and jun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, humdud and jun. Yun. <laughs> Emily, can you like maybe venture a guess as to where the prefix hum comes from? Well, I mean, when I first heard it, my first thought was humdinger. And I'm trying to figure out if it's related at all. But I don't think, well, I don't know. I just don't know. What does the prefix hum mean? So in this sense, hum is short for humbug. Oh, Which is defined in this sense as a thing which is not really what it pretends to be. A deception, fraud, or sham. A humbug. Oh. Oh, now Scrooge makes more sense. <laughs> exactly. His classic line, bah humbug, basically means, ah, it's nonsense. Oh, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's kind of Scrooge's own little humdudgeon, you know, his little outcry. Yeah. Emily, we have no idea where humbug comes from. The OED states, the facts as to its origin appear to have been lost even before the word became common enough to excite attention. Hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Someone just threw that word out in the dead of night and then ran off. (laughs) Truly, the earliest written instance that we found of it is in like an Oxford and Cambridge or Stanford and Cambridge uh, like student article. Mm -hmm. And the person's writing about the word humbug and how great it is. And (laughs) he says, I will venture to affirm that this humbug is neither an English word nor a derivative from any other language. It is indeed a blackguard sound made use of by most people of distinction. (laughs) (laughs) Just like we're all talking about this at college. We don't know where what it means, where it came from, but it's a good word. It's got a good sound. <laughs> yeah. So you were right earlier. The the suffix for humdudgeon here is is dudgeon. I would assume that you've never heard of that word before, have you? I have not, but I would hope it's in some way related to dungeon. In in, in the in the suffix jun at least. Well, it's not. <laughs> it's not <sighs> at all related. I know English it's very disappointing, right? Yeah. It never acts the way you want it to. It really doesn't. So dudgeon can be a couple different things. It can be a noun, meaning a feeling of anger or resentment, especially haughty indignation. As an adjective, it could mean indignant or resentful. And as a verb, dudgeon could mean to argue or to bicker or to offend or to make indignant or resentful. So it's a pretty useful word, dudgeon. That is a soup. I like that word even better than humdudgeon. Wow, because it's so much more useful. It feels very versatile. So I guess put together, it's like anger over nothing. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. A humdudgeon. 
uh, speaking of Dickens, Emily, uh, and oh. Scrooge, yeah. Dickens uses Dudgeon to great effect in his novel David Copperfield. Oh. When describing the ailing old woman, Mrs. Fibbitson. <laughs> old Mrs. Fibbitson is sitting, staring at a fire. And mm -hmm. David Copperfield describes her as such a bundle of clothes that he felt grateful he hadn't sat upon her by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> just like a, just a, a mess. Yeah, I'm also yeah. grateful he didn't sit on her. <laughs> yeah. Would have changed the direction of the novel, for sure. Yeah. So David says that he has reason to believe that Mrs. Fibbitson was jealous even of the saucepan on the fire and knew that of its service of boiling his egg and broiling his bacon, she took it in dudgeon. For I saw her with my own discomfited eyes shake her fist at me once when those culinary operations were going on and no one else was looking. <laughs> What? And it, there's, it just conjures this image of this old lady <laughs> when <laughs> everyone's out fist. of the room shaking her fist at this man. And he's like, I've never heard her speak before. What the heck is going <laughs> on here? What does this even mean? But she's angry. Just probably at, at life. She's very okay. old. <laughs> gotcha, 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 gotcha. <laughs> but she's just taking life in dudgeon, which it's means, dudgeon. you know, just... All anger, anger, resentment about everything. All around, yeah. Yeah. A dudgeon also brings us two interesting phrases, Emily. Mm-hmm. The first is snuff and dudgeon. Oh, oh fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. It's great. Snuff and dudgeon, which is basically a more extreme form of dudgeon. As used in this quote, there's nothing other debated but the mighty high snuff and dudgeon ye gade afwi. Snuff and dudgeon. Snuff a dungeon. He's a great name for something. I don't know what. A comic strip, I a mean, tavern. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> a detective duo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Snuff and Dungeon. Snuff yeah, but there's like British, like early 1900s Snuff and Dungeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oi, Two like dungeon, hapless British here. cops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what you mean by that, Snuff? Dungeon, you old fool. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you've cracked the case. <laughs> I have. I was just doing my laundry. <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, snuff here, Emily, means mm -hmm. a fit of rage or a huff. So, a snuff and dudgeon is just like a fit of rage and another fit of rage, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And one can, of course, also take snuff at something or take something in snuff which both mean to take offensive at something. Oh, that's fun. The other phrase that Dudgeon has brought about has found much more use throughout the ages, and that's the phrase, in high Dudgeon, oh. which, again, is basically a more haughty version of Dudgeon. Okay. So you might be in high Dudgeon or do something in high Dudgeon. It's just really angry. Yeah, not in a good mood, I guess. And that one is, is uh, more common? Yeah, it's become more common over, uh, it recently is more common. Oh. Uh, not like very recently, I mean okay. within the past like 300 years. <laughs> but oh, okay. since Dudgeon came around in the 1500s. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So in high Dudgeon can be used as an adjective, as in, so much wickedness did Vivo spy out that in high Dudgeon he hurried up his ladder. So mm -hmm. like really forcefully, angrily. Yeah. Uh, but it, it can also be taken apart and used idiomatically. Explain. So, actually, the first instance that we have of dudgeon and high being used together is in this form, in Samuel Butler's 17th century satirical heroic poem, Hudibras. 
It opens, when civil dudgeon first grew high and men fell out, they knew not why. That's the first time we've ever had dudgeon and high together. But we don't know why he dudgeon. put them together. But it wasn't high dudgeon, but that's where like the, the, the connection was started. Gotcha. Well, Emily, after all of this, you must be wondering, where does dudgeon come from? Sure. I am wondering that. I forgot we hadn't answered like that. It doesn't sound like you're wondering. I forgot we hadn't covered it. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Where I'm am so I? I'm just so delighted with all these snuff and dudgeon wow. and humdingers and humbugs. And humdingers. I'm, I, you've got me in a tizzy. <laughs> okay. Well, Emily, the short answer is we don't know where dudgeon comes from. <sighs> yeah, I was afraid you were going to say that. I know you were afraid. We don't know a lot, you know. We don't, a, a, we don't know a lot. As a species. <laughs> well, Emily, we have a few ideas of where Dudgeon could come from. None uh-huh. of them are very accurate. But oh. some of the thoughts are the Welsh have a word. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it right, but I think it's pronounced Deegan, D-Y-G-E-N. That oh. means anger or grudge. Okay. And that's made up of the prefix D meaning bad and the suffix Queen, meaning complaint, a bad complaint. So okay. it's possible that dudgeon comes from that. That makes uh, sense. Although the OED has rejected that. Okay. But who, do, who are they, you know? There's also a different word, dudgeon, D-U-D-G-E-N. Oh, with no O. Yeah, no O, which as a noun means something worthless or trash, and as an adjective means contemptible. Huh, and that is also in Welsh? No, that's an English word. Oh. Yeah. So that's a, just a whole separate English word. That's a, I'm just peppering this episode with words for you to know, you know? Wow. These are all great. What does that one mean yeah. again? It's something worthless or trash, or as an adjective, contemptible. Huh. And lastly, Emily, there's also a whole separate etymology for our dudgeon, D-U-D-G-E-O-N, which brings us the definitions... A kind of wood used especially in the handles of knives, oh. a hilt made of this wood, or a dagger with a dudgeon hilt. Just completely different. Completely different. I think we know that that one comes from French, but the OED says that a connection between these two different dudgeons is probably unlikely. I mean, they seem pretty different in, pretty far in definition, off, right? so yeah. But... Some have connected in high dudgeon with this definition of dudgeon, saying that it could possibly be relating to the act of grabbing a dagger in anger in high dudgeon. Sure. I like could see holding that. your dagger high. But that is a bit of a stretch. I mean, pretty much everything we do in etymology is a bit of a stretch, Emily, That's you fair. know? That's fair. It's a sketchbook, you know? It's a sketchbook. It's a stretch book, you know? It's a stretch book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Emily, it sounds like you've been mm-hmm. left a bit confused and irritated by all of this. Hey, this is a um, real humdudgeon in front of me. That's not using the word right. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but here's a way that you can use the word, and it's the last definition I'm going to give you. Oh, good. To be humdudgeoned is to be annoyed. <gasps> I am humdudgeoned <laughs> at this dearth of information. <laughs> I knew you would be, and that's why I made this episode. <laughs> but I'm also uh, the opposite of humdudgeoned at all these delightful words. These are Aww. fantastic, Kyle. Thank you. 
Are you ready to use? Well, no, I guess I should more properly let's keep, let's ask Let's keep this. talking for another hour. Yeah, okay, <laughs> we'll talk for another hour. Let's do this first, and then we'll talk for another hour, okay? Oh, crap. Emily, can you use humdudgeon in a sentence? I'm positive I could. So, an imaginary yeah. illness. Yeah, an unnecessary be... outcry or complaint. Uh-huh. Or a coward. Or a coward. Or to be annoyed. Is humdudgeoned, yep. All right. I am often, this is a true fact, mm-hmm. audiences at home, I am often a humdudgeon about answering the phone in the cowardly sense of the word. Oh, yes, yes. Because I get terrible phone anxiety. You might even call your phone anxiety a humdudgeon. It is a humdudgeon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, and you might complain about that or humdudgeon. (laughs) I might, but I'm humdudgeoned at myself for having that problem. (sighs) Wow. And that's it's really just four. truly uh, the complex problems of our times that we're dealing with here. <laughs> uh, only that's humdudgeon. Thank you so much. It's a fantastic word. Great episode. Every little tidbit in there was fantastic. And I'm going to like make a list of all these words and try to use all of them <laughs> <Good>. this week. <laughs> Good. Just this week. really great. I got to squeeze them in. <laughs> First 10 minutes of my next shift at work. I'm going to use all of them no matter what. <laughs> No one's going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Scottish accent and all. That's right. <laughs> Emily, speaking of which, are you interested in playing a game? I am interested if that's an option for me. It's an option. Let's play a game. <gasps> Let's play a game. Emily, your game today is called Great Scott. <gasps> Emily, Sir Walter Scott is a great Scott. So great that he's responsible for coining some very well-known phrases. Hmm. Oh. So in this game, you're going to have to guess some of these phrases based on the ham-fisted clues that I provide. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate the ham-fisted clues. All right, Emily, your first clue is, this might happen to you if you've been stealing fistfuls of cherry pie and someone walks in. And this is like an idiom, like a turn yep. of phrase. Mm-hmm. This would happen to you. Yeah, the idiom would you'd be. Oh, to you. you'd be caught red-handed. You got it, Emily. <gasps> I got there. So, caught red-handed essentially means caught in the act of wrongdoing. Yeah, and he coined that. Well, the use of red hand, as in having blood on one's hands, uh, like a, a murderer might have a red yeah. hand, goes back to the 15th century. Scottish laws uh, were using the term red hand. But Walter Scott was the first to use taken red-handed in that sense in his Ivanhoe in 1819. Oh, like caught in the act. Yeah. Wow, that's fun. Okay, here's your second clue, Emily. You might do this if someone asks to see the side of you that's been standing in a freezer. Give them the cold shoulder? Give them the cold (laughs) shoulder, Emily. You got it. (laughs) These are very ham-fisted. They are very (laughs) ham-fisted. So to give someone the cold shoulder essentially means to snub, resist, or reject somebody, right? Yeah. It was first used by Scott in his 1816 novel, The Antiquary, and it's actually a mistranslation of the Latin phrase, dederunt umerun recedentum, from the Vulgate Bible, which properly <laughs> means stubbornly they turned their backs on you. 
Oh, stubbornly, like coldly. Coldly, yes. And it got mistranslated. Wow, crazy. I think also German has the same idiom because they also mistranslated the same (laughs) Latin phrase. (laughs) That's pretty funny. I I might be incorrect about that, but I'm pretty sure. Emily, uh, your next clue is, this is a list of three things needed to run a cooperage or one letter off from a trio of characters from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, neither of those has helped me at all. Wow, you don't remember the trio of characters? I don't, there were a million characters in that movie. But there was a trio of little masked children. I don't remember their names. Oh my God, wow. (laughs) <laughs> Kyle, uh, when you and I watched Nightmare Before Christmas this past Christmas, together. we, we both were together. like, hey, we've never seen this. Let's watch it. Okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> so edit, Seth's going to edit this one to make it look like Emily just didn't know the answer and I, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> right. Exactly. So we're on the same page. Emily, <laughs> Emily, the answer is Lock, stock, and barrel. Have you ever heard that phrase? I have heard it. Is it like completely? Yes. So a thing in its entirety is lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. Yes. And those are the names of the three <laughs> masked children in the Nightmare Before Christmas? <laughs> it, 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 so it's one letter away. Their names are lock, shock, and barrel. <sighs> Worse, because then yeah. it's not even the phrase anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, but... So lock, stock, and barrel refers to the three principal parts of a flintlock firearm. The lock, Ah, the stock, and the barrel. And so it's essentially referring to the whole thing. It was probably a popular English saying before Scott used it, but he was the first to write it down. So we just say, hey, like, you know, he's the one who got it. And and he's probably the reason we still know it. Right, exactly. He wrote it in an 1817 letter where he said, like the Highlandman's gun, she wants stock, lock, and barrel to put her into repair. But he did it out of order. He did. Well, I mean, that, maybe that was the right order and we messed it up, you know? No, it was I'm going to say it was his fault. <laughs> okay, Emily, I've got one last bonus clue for you. Are you ready? All right. This is a breed of Scottish terrier named after a farmer character from Guy Mannering. Oh, I don't remember it. <laughs> you don't remember the name? <laughs> Kyle, it was ages ago. It was a I whole, know, I didn't. It was a whole, uh, I don't know, probably six hours ago that you <laughs> said that. <laughs> I didn't expect you to remember, but I expect you to remember when I tell you what it is. Emily, it's the Dandy Dinmont Terrier. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. This, so there's a real terrier named after a fictional character. I think it might be the only dog breed named after a fictional character. Supposedly, the farmer James Davidson, who originally bred these dogs, was assumed by his friends to have been the model for the character Dandy Dinmont in Scott's novel. Wow. Crazy. And it's it's because Dandy Dinmont was a farmer, and because he also owned six of these dogs. <laughs> Wait, so who named the dogs after the character? Like, I think over time, like it, it, okay. they, they, they got a colloquial name because so they were it wasn't, referring to. They weren't called that like no. during Scott's lifetime or during that man's lifetime. Uh, well, possibly because James Davidson took on the moniker Dandy Dinmont because his friends were like, <laughs> oh, it's Dandy Dinmont. So they're probably like, oh, with this Dandy Dinmonts, with his dogs. 
Crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. Dandy Dinbon in the book talks about his dogs and about their bold spirit. And he says, I have them regularly entered. First with rottens, then with stoats or weasels, and then with the tods and brocks. And now they fear Nathan that ever came with a hairy skin on Wow, definitely not humdudgeons. Definitely not humdudgeons. They are bold, fierce creatures. <laughs> <sighs> well, Emily, that's 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 Dandy Dinmont for you, and his humdudgeons. <laughs> and his humdudgeons. Yeah. Kyle, what a humdinger of a humdudgeon episode. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. Remember that you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast and on TikTok at Butter No Parsnips. And if you like today's episode, consider giving us a five star rating or review wherever you heard us. And if you really like today's episode, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Butter No Parsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout out either on social media or here on the podcast. So thanks so much to all of you. You help us make what we make. And with that, I've been Kyle Imperator. And I've been Emily Moyers. And this has been Butter No Parsnips. Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.